where nobody knows your name, is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm John. And I'm James. Today we're going to be looking at episode 6 from season 3, Coach in Love, part 1. Another double party. We've had a lot of double partners recently. Did I say partners? <laughs> you said partners. We've had a lot of double partners. Yeah, so this is the second one in the season already, only episode 6. And this came out on the 8th of November, 1984. It's a good episode. It is written by David Angel, one of his best so far, I'd say. Yeah, I think it was a good one. And uh, directed by James Burroughs, of course. Let's start with the cold open before we delve into the main episode. It's last call, and Norm is sleeping. He's almost KO'd. But he's got a little alarm clock. One more and I'm in memory. <laughs> Coming right up. He says quite a sad line, I think. He says one more and I'm in memory. Oh dear. It's a bit dark. Not even the titles of world yet, Norm. Calm down. But apart from that, really like the cold opening. One of the main reasons is because we get to hear about Florida some more. They set up the season with Cliff going on a holiday before the season began. And I thought, oh, this is just going to be there, this episode. That's the bunny joke of the series. Episode two, we get holiday snaps. He finds love through Florida. And the Florida Orange we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And now everyone's sick of it because he can't stop talking about Florida. What they've said in the cold open is, don't say anything to Cliff. Give him an inch and he'll take a mile, basically. Yeah. It's, it's quite sad, really. Because <laughs> when he came back in like episode one, he felt a bit sympathetic because no one cares. <laughs> now people have heard too much and no one cares. But when he comes back from the pool room or the bathroom, he's trying to make conversation. They said, just don't give him anything. Yeah. So everyone's just keep it quiet. Maybe nodding or... As he's leaving the door, he says, I'll see you later kind of thing. And Sam says... Later. Well, it's uh, not really later in Florida, Sammy. It's a popular misconception. It's Eastern Standard Daylight Time down there, too. Speaking of time, boy, you really stop still when you're in the Everglades. Boy, they've got huge gators down there. You know, gators are what we who are familiar with Florida call uh, alligators. Yeah, they've got huge gators and gigantic crocs. You all know what a croc is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, the first, first morning there was crystalline. As I was stepping onto the hydrofoil, the captain, uh, Billy Bob Dupree, I think his name was, asked me not to bring the beach umbrella. Well, because it got caught in a prop on the way out. It's like a, a wind-up clock that like, gets a little <laughs> tip and it carries on going. Almost. Like dogs at a racetrack where you just go, uh, go. Potential energy stored up. Like the Duracell bunny. That's right, he never stops. The credits have to come in to almost cut him off. Like Oscar music when a speech is going on for two not. So that takes us into the main episode. And uh, how did we begin this episode? I'm not sure which comes first, whether it's Diane asking for some of her belongings back from Sam, or whether it's Coach meeting this new lady. Sam and Diane part, which is our B part. So uh, we'll forget the title of the episode, but... Uh, it's called the Sam Give Me Back My Stuff. Part yeah. one. So Diane uh, gives Sam a box of stuff, or pack of stuff, and says, these are the old things I have that were yours. I'd be grateful if you could do the same. She says, open them in a discreet place. And Sam's like, my jeans. <laughs> or my pants. It's yeah. American. <laughs> <laughs> we forgot for a second. So she's a bit embarrassed, but she goes, you know, I've given you back all your stuff, Sam. Now, would you please return some of my belongings? Which is a, it's a puppet. She says he can keep the puppet. Because he says, he, I know how much he liked it. Sam, like the corner of his eye, spots Carla cleaning the bar with the rag that was once this puppet. Sad sight. I'll give you five bucks to run out of the room right now. Go on, let's go. You got it. No, no, take this with... 
dances and screams. Diane said that this puppet was her closest friend, which she has said this I a couple of other times. It's a catchphrase now. Yeah, she said it about Elizabeth Barrett Browning. That cat was my closest friend. Yeah. Mr. Jammers was my closest, closest friend. friend. Sam was my closest <laughs> friend. Marky Post was my closest friend. Welcome to the Diane Slating Hour. Everything is your closest friend. <laughs> Culture, my closest friend. <laughs> Do you know what? I won't be surprised. There's a bit of symbolism in that, maybe. Yeah. If you remember, like, I think it was episode one, season two, Sam was throwing stuffed toys out of a window. Continuation, Mr. Jammers, he's on the mean streets of Boston. Now we've got this new puppet who's an old bar rag. Mr. Jammers grew up to be Mark Wahlberg. Little known fact. Uh, okay. They're both from Boston. Stretch there. I like to think he's sort of, like, somewhere robbing people, alley. <laughs> Using his neck as a... Giraffes are mean players. <laughs> you ever seen giraffes fight? Yeah. Brutal. That's what I'm saying. Anyway. So, Coach in Love. <laughs> so, now onto the main part of this episode. <laughs> coach in Love. Coach is in the bar. He's having a good time. He's working in his shift. And he locks eyes with someone. He locks eyes with Irene. And he, he says instantly, she's the one for him. He's smitten. Love it for a sight for old Coachy. Yeah, I mean, it's not the first time we've seen Coach take a fancy to someone. No, he's been on a few dates. He's been on more dates than Clay. Yeah. <laughs> you sound really surprised. Yeah, a bit. Because, like, well, every time Coach gets in a relationship, I was like, Coach is in a relationship? This is out of the blue. But he's had a few. He's fallen down staircases before him. Yeah. That was, like, episode seven, maybe. <laughs> um, but we saw his smooth charm last season where he said lots of bank-related jokes. This time, he was more sort of uh, unknowingly funny. Well, there was one bit where I was like, damn, coach, you smooth. No, neither of us is married. Oh, well, well, I'll see what I can do about that. You can go now, Sam. You're not needed. He is quite smooth in this, I guess. Looking back, maybe I was wrong. They're locking their eyes across the bar, mutually reciprocated, and Irene has a thing for coach too. Coach reveals later in the episode that he wants to propose to Irene. And they've known each other for what, maybe three weeks? Three weeks, yeah. He moves quick, Coach does. Don't mess around. No, he's, he's been burnt before. He knows that he can't just fall over the staircases anymore. He needs to put him in. Was Beyonce singing about Coach? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but before he plucks up the, the courage to talk to her, he asks Sam to go and help him approach Irene and her daughter. And when they go over, he says some smooth lines, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, and Sam tries some lines too. Gets nowhere. The daughter, Sue. She hates him. Exactly. Wants nothing to do with him. Irene and Sue Bloodshot. Betty Ford as Irene. Also appeared in Southern Impact, L.A. Law, Hunter, Dragnet, The Fresh Prince, The Wonder Years, Melrose Place, and E.R. And Ellen Reagan as Sue Blanchard. She also appeared in The Kentucky Fried Movie, Taxi, Remington Steel, Different Strokes, and Me and Mrs. C. Interestingly, well, I found it interesting, mm. this episode aired two nights after the 84 election, and the winner of that election shares his surname with the actress who plays Sue Blanchard, Reagan. Ford was also president. Are you stressing she got cast on some kind of alliance? No, I'm saying it's a it's an interesting coincidence. Oh, okay. So you're like, it's all connected. <laughs> I sense a conspiracy. <laughs> and uh, what, what kind of themes do we have in this? I, I guess, again, we touched on loneliness. Yes. Uh, especially in the elderly. There's kind of two perspectives. One is uh, Irene, 
and her, and I wouldn't say she is lonely, because her and her daughter, they always go out for dinner together, or for drinks. Despite Sue lying to Sam, we find this isn't the first time she's met her mum in a while. No. I mean, all the time. But Coach, on the other hand, we've seen him throughout episodes being alone at times, which is why we've had so many episodes of Coach trying to find some love. <laughs> Whereas Coach's daughter never comes back to Listen. the bar. Yeah. Stopped off once. I bet she married that guy. All I remember is he got called a pig. <laughs> they call him Mr. Pig. <laughs> but anyway, what I'm trying to say is, Coach is quite lonely a lot of the time. And it's a subject that's explored quite a bit, especially through Coach and his interactions with others. Any other themes, Luke? This one will come as a bit of a surprise, but, well, coming in at the last second. Yes. The final hurdle. Let's say um, some other bits about the B-plot before we go into this bombshell. It builds up throughout the episode. We learn that Sam had other items which he's mm. destroyed or otherwise degraded in some way. But what I thought was quite notable was that at about 13 minutes in, you hear someone on the TV saying, It's the bottom of the night with two outs. Which is quite interesting because as far as we'd seen so far, mm. Sam had degraded two of Diane's items. Mm. So there's a nice, clever little Easter egg there in the background. What did it say again? It's the bottom of the ninth with two outs. The socks need a miracle here tonight. I guess uh, a lot of this kind of the, the possessions that they have after a relationship yeah. folds in again to maybe themes around legacy. Yeah. Obviously, the Red Sox are Sam's legacy at all. Yeah. But Sam's destroying sort of Sam's destroying memories, whereas Anne sort of cherished them a lot more in their absence from each other. It almost reminded me of the bit from Friends where Ross and Rachel are turning each other's items, mm. and Ross has a Frankie Says Relax T-shirt from his college years, yeah. if not before. Clearly, does not fit him. It's interesting you say about the Red Sox being Sam's legacy because. Carla, in this episode, said she wanted to see the Red Sox in the World Series before she died. The first time they won after this episode aired was 20 years later in 2004. They've won a few times since then also, but the closest after that was 2004. But your cheers would be a happy place now if it was still going. Oh, but it's booming. Specials on every time they won. Which brings us to the end of this episode and the bombshell we mentioned earlier. It's a real curveball. I like what he did there. Yeah, um, in the bar, he asks for some advice from everyone about how he should pop the question and propose to Eileen. He gets some advice from everyone, and uh, in the end... His proposal is beautiful, though. He lists the type of man he isn't. I'm not a rich man. I, I'm not a young man. I'm not, not a handsome man. I, I'm, not, I'm not a tall man. I'm, I'm not a strong man. I'm not a talented man. I'm not a well-traveled man. I'm not a smart man. I'm not a milkman. I'm, I'm not a fat man. I'm not a gingerbread man. I'm not a... What are you trying to say, Ernie? Oh, I don't need a piece of paper to tell you what my feelings are. Irene, uh... Well, maybe I do. Uh... Uh, Irene, I'm not a rich man. I'm not a young... Uh, uh, and she says yes. And it's all happy. And then a phone call comes into the bar. Sue on the other end with uh, some more good news for Irene. Irene has won the lottery. She's a billionaire, James. In that moment, um, Carla asks Irene, please tell me you like you do it every week kind of thing. She's just like a weird kind of like, mm, that would be yeah. a kind of thing. Uh, and I thought it was nice just tying in Carla's superstition. Yeah. But yeah, Irene, she's a billionaire, jabillionaire. 
had just proposed to her. And Diana's like, oh, how do you feel? Two great things have happened in one night. And she goes, yeah, I won the lottery. What was the other thing? Cue to be continued. Who knows what's going to happen? She just buy a round, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> she forgot her fiancé, but she bought a round. Coach is upstairs at Melville's. He's got a dinner reservation. Coach does a lot of, like, joyous skipping in this episode. Glides across the bar. It was lovely. We really got to see Coach have really happy and joyous in this. It was, it was really nice to watch. But, but it was nice to watch, but off, off that cliffhanger... We don't know where it's going to go. Well, I assume down. <laughs> so I think he's going to be skipping. Maybe. Yeah, it wouldn't make a great episode if everything's fine. But yeah, so off the back of that, who knows what's going to happen, James? We've got mail. We've got some... Florida snaps. It's some yeah. delightful trivia questions. If you have any trivia questions, send them in. If you want to place any orders for t-shirts or anything, or even just a drink, we can drop a nice little picture for you, put it on our house specials, let us know. Open up a tab. Yeah. My first piece of trivia mail for you, James. We talked earlier in the episode, Diane returned some items to sell. I was wondering if you could name them. Toothbrush. I'm going to say some kind of aftershave or fragrance. Air pants slash jeans for the, for our UK and American audience, and a toothbrush. But I only wanted to know a specific thing about Snoopy. Brush. Got it. Snoopy toothbrush. I think it's dental approved. He said. Yeah. So. I tell you what. Sam likes cartoons. Flintstones, Snoopy. Nothing wrong with cartoons. What do you think his favourite cartoon is? I think he likes Top Cat. I think Top Cat is a TV show Sam likes. Yeah, I can I can picture that. Yeah. What do Italians call what motivates Coach to propose to someone he hadn't even spoke to? I'm going to go on a, on a limb here, and I think I'll probably be wrong, but is it The Shining? It's, it's, it's not The Shining. Uh, I, thought, I thought it might be. I mean, you're not far. The Shining. Yes, no. Um, it's The Thunderbolt. Is there a, an explanation around it? According to Urban Dictionary, oh. the definition is, when love strikes someone like lightning, so powerful and intense, it can't be denied. It's beautiful and messy. So it's equivalent, the English expression is, uh, love at first sight. A slightly related question here, okay? When Coach is asking for advice on how to propose, he asks Carla, how did Nick propose to her? How did Nick propose? And bear in mind, uh, the Thunderbolt. He didn't. No? Oh. He said, I knocked you up, you know where I live, so I guess I have to. The Thunderbolt. <laughs> it was uh, Norm who didn't propose, or jokes, he didn't propose yeah. to Vera. And goes, I think there might be a loophole there. <laughs> Interestingly, hmm. my final question relates to uh, Norm and quite a lot of the behaviour and subplots in this episode. What book is Diane reading? Oh, I don't know this. It's C.G. Young's Analytical Psychology, It's Theory and Practice. Young's theory on love at first sight is that men have an unconscious female component in their psyche and women have an unconscious masculine one. Mm -hmm. Interesting. See, we go highbrow sometimes. We don't just talk about cartoons. His theory states that love at first sight is an example of us projecting that component onto someone else. This fits in with the common human trait of being attracted to someone because of similarities in mm. personality and demeanour, such as how Coach and Irene both love music and Italian food. She's a widow, he's a widower, she's a hairdresser, he's got hair. And neither of them have been to Utah. So much in common. It also explains why Sam isn't attracted to someone because they appear too tame, because Sam is wild, he hasn't had a wild past. Young's theory of these unconscious components also states that Men who identify strongly with their gender role, such mm -hmm. as Norm, perhaps, 
have not actively recognized this unconscious component. Mm. So the stereotype of men being chauvinistic and things, according to Jung, would be because they haven't recognized that aspect of their psyche. Very highbrow. I thought it was quite interesting, though. And I think a lot of this theory plays a role to different plots in this episode. Yeah, I was going to say, and even in other episodes of the series, we saw Cliff probably described quite well than what you've said there. By someone who sort of mirrors, do you say, their inner opposite? Yeah, the female component of his psyche is what Jung would use to uh, refer to it. Because they both liked Florida, and they both um, danced, mm. and then they both were nervous. It's true that humans are attracted to similar traits in their partner, and this was Jung's theory why that happened. I'm not sure whether I believe it or not, but I thought it was relevant to this episode nonetheless. No, I, I, think, I think we should have left that question last because I'm about to hit you with probably like lowbrow. <laughs> well, not lowbrow, I would say, but not as intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> Diane's hand puppet, or <laughs> what was it called, James? Ryan the Lion. Ryan the Lion. But if we read into that, and the symbolism of, of a lion and the name Brian. They rhyme. They, they rhyme. And they're uh, rhymes that are symbolism for belonging. Are they? I don't know, James. <laughs> <laughs> You hit me with, like, some good research, and I've got Brian Lyon. <laughs> so, James, what do you ha- have questions on? Well, John, I've got one in Italian, and then have one about psychology. What do you have? What's the puppet cost? You had, like, an Italian not going, yep, Nick said I knocked you up. <laughs> I know, you know where I live, so I guess I have to. Then I follow up with Brian Lyon. Oh, well, <laughs> I guess that's trivia. So that's the last calls, James, of this episode. I quite like this episode. I'm, yeah. I'm left suspenseful after that cliffhanger. We don't know where it will go. I mean, I guess if this is the roller coaster, we've seen Coach going up. He's having a great time. He's on a few dates, three weeks of bliss with Irene. And it's just at that tipping point. They're engaged. She's won the lottery. And now to be continued. How's it going to look? Will there be ups and downs? Will there just be one rock bottom drop? Who knows? I don't know I went to a roller coaster around you. I don't know where you went. It was a bit weird. Quite puffy. Is it? No. <laughs> like It's like you're drinking beers. You go, oh, this is going great. And you get more drunk and get more confident. And you go, this is going to be quite well. Uh, that looks quite nice. That tasty tequila over there. Let's have some uh, of that. And you've taken, you go, I'll be okay. Maybe an hour later. <laughs> so, so you're saying maybe, what pint number would you be at? <laughs> five. Maybe five. Five, you could go home and be happy the next day. It's a turning point, and we've been left with that cliffhanger. We're at the five pint point. <laughs> I maybe would have said seven, but maybe that's chauvinistic. You haven't recognised your female component. <laughs> this is that turning point of the night where you don't know how it's going to go. Will Coach find love with Irene and will get married? They'll be billionaires, or will Irene forget who Coach is? What drink should we have? I think we should have champagne, but keep it on ice. Champagne? And, and Irene's paying? Yes. For sure. She better be. She won the lottery. So, uh, Champagne on Irene. Here's to you, Irene. To be continued. Come on, Irene. <laughs> <laughs> You've been waiting the whole episode for that. Thank you for listening to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a cheers podcast.